This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Normal Ever Podcast. I'm Jamie Smith. Joining me this week are Natalie and Kevin, and hopefully James will join us at some point. He's on his way. We don't know where he's going from, but hopefully he will get there at some point. <laughs> Another away defeat for, for Burnley, so we're just going to rip out previous podcasts, copy and paste them in. No one will be able to tell the difference. We'll just edit it up. <laughs> Natalie, deja vu with Burnley losing by one goal at Liverpool this time. Reasonable performance, but nothing to show for it. Again, <laughs> how many times have we said this is season? We should get some it's sort of award for day. trying to come up with new ways <laughs> to talk about Burnley losing away. It's getting really challenging. It really is getting challenging to try and stay constructive and try and take some positives from, from a game. Um, but to be fair, I mean... Oh, am I massaging stereotypes by saying this? But again, it, it's a Liverpool away and it wasn't a game that we were expected to get any, anything from. It was a free game. It was um, a shot at just getting some bonus points. And, it, you know, winning or getting a draw away at the likes of Anfield do not dictate where you finish at the end of the season. Saying that, once again, I felt like we were quite guilty of being wasteful of an opportunity. We saw it away at City this year as well. We we found an off-par City who were reduced to 10 men and we just were not positive enough and we didn't take advantage of the scenario put in front of us. And I felt again on Sunday we were, in the first half, we very much did. We knew going into this game, that Liverpool do not like playing sides like us. They can't handle the way we play football and they don't have any plan B to counteract our football. And we knew that. And it went exactly how we thought it was going to do in the first half. Our tactics worked to dream. We completely nullified their play and we restricted them to one chance in injury time of the first half. So we were faced with a Liverpool side that's, short, that's lacking in a little bit of confidence against the bottom sides in the division, struggling for a little bit of consistency and struggling to have any impact against a sorry any impact in respect of a game plan that we executed really really well and once again as soon as we 
conceded the equalising goal. We didn't take advantage of that and we just let them back into the game. So that's probably the most frustrating thing for me as opposed to the, the level of the performance itself. It's this slight naivety again in this division as much as we're learning and as much as we've improved there's still that inability to react to positively to changes in dynamics as they happen in a game and not just stick rigidly to a predetermined game plan yeah i think um on, on the face of it kev going to liverpool losing 2-1 we restricted them to, to very few chances i don't think he made a save until the last minute from from sadio mane um but going forward, Burnley just don't really seem ambitious enough. They don't offer much away from home. No. Um, regular listeners to the podcast will understand my dismay when the team sheet was announced and um, Scott Arfield was in the team ahead of Robbie Brady. And while I understand why Dice might have wanted to put him there, um, it for me it, it's 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 just the wrong the complete wrong approach and we we've we we've we've tried to sit back and play for the draw and play for just shutting the opposition out as, as much as possible so many times away from home all season and it, it hasn't worked. Um I think you look at the way we we started the game against Liverpool at Turf Moor and we scored both of our goals through really, really pressing them and really taking the game forward to them in the early stages of the game and pushing them forward and really being crap proactive with the way we we attacked them. Um, and you, you, you look at the, the, the team and the options, what, you know, particularly looking at Robbie Brady, uh, who was who was on the bench, Dropping Brady for Arfield just it just sent all the wrong signals that we were doing that again. We we were not we were there was no real ambition to go out there and take the game to Liverpool um, in terms of team selection, and it just looked too too defensive. Having said that, I think you know like Natalie said, we started the game really well, and it's it's I was surprised actually because Liverpool surely would have been much more aware than maybe some other teams having been beaten by us so early in the season um so it was surprised to see us i think we were completely on top pretty much for the first half hour i think after that first half hour uh liverpool finished the first half very well um the last 15 minutes so it looked like a burnley away game um and so did much of the second half until probably the last 15 minutes again actually um and you just i mean there's so many ifs you wonder if we'd had a bit more confidence away from home if we'd won a couple of games if we if that goes differently you wonder if we were able to have a bit more concentration um and not concede if we'd held out 15 more seconds in the first half you wonder if you know because the, the, the Anfield crowd was starting to get on top of the team and you can imagine you know they're going one nil high one one nil behind to Burnley they get booed off they got booed back on the crowd's restless Instead, they're going at half-time, kind of buoyed by um, by a, by an equalising goal right on the stroke. So I think that changes mass things massively. You wonder if um, Matt Lawton hits that ball first time in the in the dying minutes. If he strikes that shot first time, that that almost certainly goes in. So there's so many ifs there, and I think. If any of those ifs comes off, we're here talking about a very good performance and a very good point at Anfield, um, at least a point anyway. Um, so it's it's difficult one because 
yeah, we've got beat, we've got beat again. There were some very diff, diff, disappointing aspects to the game, but I also think there were some very encouraging aspects for the game, uh, particularly the way we, the way we started the game, the way we ended the game. Um, it's just a shame about what happened in the middle, um, and also some of the some of the decisions um, made in certain areas by a couple of players on the pitch, but also um, the men on the side as well. Yeah, I'm sure we'll we'll come on to um, Sean Dyche's decisions. We've already talked, Kev's already talked about Arfield over Brady. The other change made was Barnes in for Volks. After serving his suspension, Natalie, I was a bit surprised, maybe disappointed as well with this one, after I felt Volks played quite well last weekend. Involved in two goals, as I put it on Twitter, even though one was winning a penalty for handball in it. Counting it as an assist. <laughs> and counting it. <laughs> it's an assist. Um, but in fairness to Barnes, he, he scored a goal, so you can't really complain yes. too much. But he did also give away a lot of fouls. Yeah. It, it seemed like our attacking momentum just seemed to halt a little bit because he, the decisions were going against him rather than for him on Sunday. Yeah, I, I think it was a real mixed bag for Barnes. I, I share your, I shared your disappointment when um, Sam wasn't in the starting lineup because I, I just think, generally speaking, and this is quite high level analysis, but as a general principle, I feel that Vox and Gray are a better better partnership both in terms of technical ability and goals than Gray and Barnes are. Um, but. Barnes had an absolutely cracking first half and he scored a brilliant goal not long after. I think I did uh, two opposition podcasts in the build-up to the Liverpool game and on both of those podcasts I was, I basically said that I was hoping that Volks would start because as much as, as Barnes offers to the game and as much as he makes a nuisance of himself, I can never really ever see him scoring a goal and it just blatantly, he obviously listened to those podcasts and went, screw you Bromley, <laughs> I am going to show you that I can score goals and scored an absolutely brilliant Goal, so that's why. Um, exaggerating your profile. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not Literally, sure he's a listener. If you are a listener, please feel free to email. <laughs> drop us like that podcast. Back at me Nornet up, Ashley. I know you're listening. No, um, but I think it's like you say. I think Ashley's all about the nuisance factor and he's about the hustle and he's about the opportunities that he creates for the team and the free kicks that he wins. And he also breaks breaks up their momentum very well as well. And when that works for him, he can be a very, very effective player um, in that squad. Unfortunately, when it doesn't go his way, he can actually be more of a hindrance than he can be a help. And Sunday was one of those. Um, I thought in the build-up to the goal, I thought he was superb. Um, But once he scored and we sort of settled into the half, um, I just thought he started to be more of a hindrance, like I said, than than a help. And, And like you say, he was giving away the fouls. And it was quite clear early on that the referee was having none of his um, physical aspects of the game and was blowing up against him every single time. So I think at that point I would have brought great, uh, sorry, Vokes on a hell of a lot earlier because I think, um, again, going back to this reactive point of Deitch's, it was quite obvious to all of us that, um, at the sorry, the point where Barnes stopped being effective became pretty obvious to all of us when Deitch seemed to wait another 60 minutes or so before he brought Vokes on. Yeah, on the the, 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 the Barnes-Vokes uh, thing, I felt quite... I made a point before the match of saying that I was disappointed that Barnes was playing and not Volks. And see, we've received quite a few tweets from people saying, oh, he's proved you wrong. Yeah, um, but it was reverse psychology, right? <laughs> well, in, well, of course, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, obviously it's great that he scored a great goal. Um, obviously that's, that's fantastic. But I, I still don't think, I don't think one goal um, changes changes my opinion that, that Volks offers more to the game 
for, than Ashley Barnes. I'm, I've never said that Barnes is a terrible player. I don't think, if truth be told, I don't think either of them are good enough um, for the, the team that we need to be. Um, I don't think there's a lot between them, but I just think Vox just about edges it in his ability to contribute to goal goal and game-changing opportunities. But that said, it was a fantastic goal. I'm not sure it's a goal that Vox scores himself. Um, so it's... An, what a, what a fantastic pass from uh, bowling from Loughton as well, by the way. We're talking about, I talked earlier about Matt Loughton's miss uh, at the end, but that miss kind of uh, was perhaps overshadows a little bit what a fantastic cross it was and a cross, fantastic ball it was for, for, for the goal in the first place. Yeah, it's fair to give him credit for that, actually, because we do get quite frustrated with the quality of his final ball sometimes, and it was a peach of a pass. I think it was Barnes' first goal in open play since December, so... Um, although he he brings different things to the team than goals, it's it's quite clear that he, he doesn't quite offer enough in terms of a goal threat. I think it was his tenth Premier League goal for us. Now he's just one behind Danny Ings. Um, James has joined us. I think James, hello, hello, hello. Hey, <laughs> better late than never. Nice you to join us, baby. <laughs> now, hopefully, you won't cover all the same points that we've just gone over. But what did you make of Burnley's performance at Anfield on Sunday? Um, I don't, I've obviously no idea what any of you said. So, um, I thought it wasn't awful, but at the same time, um, you know, we really seem to be lacking something in front of goal. Um, obviously, Gray, I thought it looked really bright, particularly early on. But he just never got any service in areas where he's going to score goals, and I think that's been a problem for us sort of all season. And he's, you know, was it last game or a few games ago? We gave him the sort of balls we've all been saying that's what Gray needs, and he scored. This game we didn't, and he didn't. So, I, you know, I think there's a clear pattern emerging there. Um, but for me, like the, the biggest takeaway was I thought our subs in the second half were bizarre, really. You know, we, we eventually brought Brady on, uh, obviously a big money signing, and we played him on the wrong side, which is curious at best. Um, particularly when you're talking about someone who hasn't been very effective uh, with his crosses so far. I think he started off obviously the same way Hendrick has. And um, we're all hoping we're going to see him kickstart at some point, but I don't think playing him out position is the, the way to make that happen. Um and taking Gray off, which I've never understood when we chase him again, you know, take off your biggest goal-scoring threat. Um, you know, although Barnes did score, I feel after he scored, did he look like he was threatening to score again? Probably not. Whereas Gray, if you get the ball to him in the right position, he's always a threat to score. So I thought it was curious to take him off. Um, and also to take Boyd off ahead of Arfield, because I thought Arfield was pretty poor, continuing a pattern of a, a particularly under par um, season for him so I don't know it was a a strange game I thought Liverpool weren't very good and, and really it should have been there for the taking but ultimately again our end product let us down obviously Matt Lawton put in a fantastic ball for the goal but second half particularly his crossing left a, a little bit to be desired and obviously he, he missed a chance which I think was actually tougher than, uh, than it looked at the time uh, I don't think he could hit straight away because the defender was there but um, obviously, it could have could have rescued the point for us if he, he could have put it away. I think the I guess the argument behind taking Gray off is that we were just going to be pumping loads of balls up, um, and I, I'm guessing Dice maybe perhaps wanted 
two two bigger two bigger bigger targets up there. But on the flip side of that, you, you still look need at, someone to pick up the scraps. Though I mean, exactly, there's no, that's no that, point winning that, the ball in the air if there's not going to be anyone there to well, I'm, get it I'm, on the I'm, ground. I'm thinking specifically again, going back to this a couple of times, but again to that Loughton chance at the end. If that falls to someone like Gray um, instead of Loughton, that that is probably a goal. I'm, I've not seen it too much many times, James. So I'm not sure. Uh, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to trust for you're not lying when you say that it was uh, more difficult than it looks. But even even having said that, surely that lands to Gray. Um, that that's a goal. So yeah, you know. I can appreciate, you know, we might want to get more more bigger men up there, but uh, if you've not got those players, like Gray's the sort of player who is going to just get a scrap like that, and he's going to be able to fire that in. He's got that, he's he's got that, that more kind of finesse and a bit more skill and a bit more technique, which we really like, particularly with players like um, Goodmanson and Defoe out of the side. So it, it's a strange one for me. But I think if you're going to be doing like that, Gray's exactly the type of type of player you need because. He's well. He we've seen so often. He does so well on the Vox flick on. So that's it. It, it was a very strange one for me. I can only assume that if it's not that he was really tired or something. I don't know. But yeah, it was disappointing. I, I just think if we if we kept him on, um, it, he, he 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 might not have come to something. Probably wouldn't have come to something. But there's always that potential that he's going to be able to get out on the end of something. And he's more likely to get something in than anyone else's. I think. Yeah, with Graham. Whenever he comes off, I just assume it's it's energy levels, and he does he does tire in games because he puts so much in. Although I'm sure um, there's a lot of fans out there wish he would do a bit more running around because sometimes it doesn't look like he's giving a hundred percent. Natalie, on the decisions we've talked about already, Brady coming on and playing on the right side, weird one for a lot of people. <laughs> oh. For me as well, my my main bugbear is that it takes so long. As soon as we go behind. Make the attacking changes. I don't yeah. understand why it takes 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes to do that. You're going to yeah. put Brady on for one of the wingers. Do it straight away. There's no yeah, need to wait. And you've got to put Volks on. So why not give him 20 minutes, not 10 minutes? Yeah. It's... He should be thinking He should be thinking ahead of himself. And it doesn't... I mean, this might be ridiculous. You know, he might... It takes two minutes. People... Play goes to warm-up. Yeah, Play score. Send him to warm-up. Get him on straight away. Yeah, Dyke should be thinking ahead of what's going to happen. And then he sits there and says, well, what should I do? And then he makes a decision. It's it's the wrong thing to do. I mean, the Brady one's particularly weird on the basis that he'd obviously dropped him. He wasn't injured. He dropped him in favour of Arfield today and put Arfield on the left because he felt that Arfield offered something, uh, perhaps a better shape to the team, or he offered um, a more consistent approach than Brady was going to do, which in itself is laughable, but that's beside the point. So if he was going to then accept that he needed Brady on the pitch to change the game and make an impact, Arfield can play on the right. Like, why, why do... why? Why put a player who's struggling in his most natural position so he gets dropped, then gets to come on to make an impact in a game out of position? It's just bizarre beyond words. I do not understand Dyke sometimes. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, that for me, that, that point about form is my, my biggest thing about this. It's, I think if, if Brady's in the, in the form of his life, he's playing full of confidence, he's, he's just fantastic, then you, you know, there's perhaps an argument for playing him on the right and allowing him to come in and have those shots and just have a bit more freedom but he's not and he's obviously struggling to to, to find a any real rhythm he's struggling to adapt back to the Premier League so surely 
you don't want to be putting more pressure on him. Like you say, you need to be playing him where he's comfortable and give him those opportunities to, to get back to form. Yeah, maybe. I, I think one counter-argument, and I'm not saying I believe this, but maybe it's just to give him something different to maybe try and jar him into a bit of form. Like, the, the theory behind playing wingers on the wrong side is that they can cut inside and shoot and cross. So, technically, I suppose, if you want to play Brady on the right, you can cut inside, use that left foot. Fair enough. But the problem for me with that is that Brady came on Barnes and Gray were still on the pitch. Barnes and Gray don't seem to score a lot of headers, so he wasn't going to cut in and put crosses in. So it, the decision making didn't seem to really match up. It was a bit weird for me, but I also think we've just got to be more patient with Brady. It is early days. We've seen with Hen- with Hendrick that it can take time when players adapt to the the higher level, and it just beggars belief for me that we spent what twelve, thirteen million pound on a winger, and then. A month later, we've decided that Scott Arfield's a better option. It just seems really, really strange um, to me. And I, I still haven't quite got my head around it, even a day later. I, I don't understand what Dash was thinking, really. Uh, moving on from, from substitutions and, and decisions then, James, a few people saying it was our best away performance of the season. Burnley put a lot of graft into the performance, but... The same story as a lot of the away games I've seen. Not enough craft in the final third. And it said a lot that we created that one chance at the end for, for Matt Lawson. That was it, really. Yeah, it was really slim pickings. You know, you, you look at the the way we try to play. And a few times we, you know, we put balls down the channels for, for Grain. That's not really the way you want to use him. Because you want to get the ball to Grain in places where he's got opportunity to shoot. Um, but I actually thought he, he did a, a good job with the... The limited service he got, uh, you know, when the balls went down the channels, he, he tried to cut them back across the box, and there was a chance early on before the goal actually, where really I think Barnes should have been trying a little bit harder to get on the end of it. But we just seem to be, we seem to be lacking that bit of creativity, which I think is exactly the reason we signed, uh, you know, Brady for because Boyd and Arfield, neither of them are going to give you much creativity going forward. I mean, you know, when they get the ball, they tend to run straight lines. Um, in Boyd's case, tends to run a straight line with the ball twenty foot behind him. Um, but we just seem to be, we seem to be just lacking any sort of creativity. I, I think we sort of running out of ways to describe why we struggle to score, and it's it's just clearly that we need to get the ball to our danger men in dangerous positions. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it sounds easy, doesn't it? Obviously, football's a lot more complicated than that, and. I've, we said last week, didn't we, that we miss Stephen DeFore and we miss um, Gunmanson as well. But all all teams have to do without players sometimes, and to spend all that money on a player who was theoretically going to be a big upgrade on your wingers and then bench him doesn't quite make any sense to me. Maybe he's carrying some sort of injury. Maybe Dashot would take him out of the firing line for a game. Presumably he had some logic to the decision. I just, I just don't get it, and I really hope that he is um, back in for next weekend at Sunderland, which we'll talk about later in the podcast. Um, Natalie, we haven't touched on goalkeeping yet. Tom Heaton came back for Paul Robinson. We were quite critical of Robinson last weekend, um, but Heaton beaten 
from quite a long way out from Emery Chan. I think he said in interviews afterwards that he was unsighted, but should he have maybe done a little bit better with it? I think both goals, there's defenders in his way. Yeah, um, I keep changing my mind every time I see a replay of that second goal. I think sometimes I look at it from a certain angle and think, ah, he's got to do better there. Then I see it at another angle and think, ah, it's, it's kind of impossible. And I think sometimes... I guess I wonder, I wonder whether or not we just have quite high expectations of Tom Heaton because he does make some absolutely incredible saves from some world-class strikers. So you almost expect him to, to pull it out the bag every single time. There's a, there's a great shot. At the end of the day, it was a superb strike. And he got he was so close to it. He got down very, very quickly, even though he was unsighted. And his, his palm was so close to that ball Um this is massively sitting on the fence, but I honestly can't come down on one side or the other as to whether or not I think he can do better. I think he can. I think there's arguments for both. Um, Tom Heaton, being Tom Heaton, will be self-critical, I would expect, and I think he will look at it and see how he can improve. And I, and I like that quality about him because you want somebody to not be down on themselves, but you want somebody to find any possible reason um, for a goal and, and to do anything they can to make it a little bit better for the next time he faces a strike of that quality. But to say that he should have done better is probably being a little bit harsh. I'm not I'm not going to sit on the fence. I think that I, I, I don't think I'm not putting any blame at all on, on, on T, Tom Heaton for that. I thought it was a fantastic strike. He was slightly unsighted. And I think regardless of goalkeeper, we want goalkeepers in the net, I think eight or nine times out of 10, um, whoever's in goal, that that ends up in the back of the net. Um, I think it was a fantastic strike, and I think you know the way we set up, um, where we, we our tactic essentially is to invite teams to shoot from distance uh, and not make the way actually into the box. Um, so you can probably say we've done quite well actually to not concede too many goals of that of that ilk uh, this season. Um, that's the that's what that's what we invite teams to do. We invite teams to to shoot from distance. Um, so I mean, if it comes off um, now and again, I don't think we can complain too much, particularly when it's a strike of uh, such strength as that. There was so much power behind it. Um, Tom, he had so little time to react. Uh, I think he did quite well, actually, just to get down to it and, and almost keep it out. Yeah, it was similar to the, the game at Turf, wasn't it? And the one that we won against Liverpool in that a lot of their shots were speculative and just hopeful rather than anything else and sometimes they're just going to go in um, we're recording on Monday night after the, the FA Cup game between Chelsea and Man United and there's people saying De Gea should have done better with with Kante's goal which was a similar hit to Chan a bit closer bounced right in front of the goalkeeper he's got absolutely no chance I think people these days are just desperate to uh, pick mistakes for goals sometimes you just can't really do anything about it um, I don't think there's much else to say about the game. I'm certainly bored of talking about yet another Burnley away defeat. So, well done if you managed to get this far into the podcast. I'm as sick of it as you are. Um, so let's go to Natalie for Tweet of the Week. 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 Indeed. This week, Tweet of the Week is back with its rightful owner, James Bird. Get your thieving mitts off my feature. I'm having it back. So this week, Tweet of the Week um, goes to Graham Cowking, who's at GJC Lanks. I can't read. I'm sorry, listeners. And he quite positively states... 
that chances are few at this level. Composure in front of goal is essential, but it's encouraging to see an actual fight. And I liked that summary from Graham. I thought it was realistic in in respect of the opposition we were facing, but also quite rightly encouraging that certainly for the first half at least, we did show some real fight and took the game to Liverpool and tried to get something out of it. So well done, Graham. This one, this week's Tweet of the Week. Yeah, one of our Kickstarter backers as well, I think, Graham. So ah. thanks a lot to Graham again for that. It's you a can fix. Check out. <laughs> it's not a fix. <laughs> check out the list of all our Kickstarter backers. Kickstarter backers is on our brand new shiny website which, if you haven't seen it already, is well worth a look. You can even respond to podcasts and say how good they are. Um, hint, hint, <laughs> on any website. So please do give it a look. That's at nonanever.net, as it has always been. Um, looking ahead to next week, then, Burnley are away again. Oh, my God, when will this run end? <laughs> Sunderland away, the worst team in the league, James. If we're going to win away, surely it's going to be this one. Surely. You've got to think, hope, pray it is. I mean, we've said this so many times this season now that, you know, such and such game is going to be the one where we eventually win away that um, I'm a bit reluctant to, to say it. I'm turning to Bromers here, aren't I? Sort of like some sort of superstition going on. But <laughs> um, I am wary of saying that this is the one because. I think we've had this is the one sort of five or six times, and it's we've not been in the yet. lead in the last two. So, by by some judgments, we are getting nearer. <laughs> been in a position to win games at least. Yeah, I mean, it's one we really should win. You know, you look at the position there, and you look at where we are. Um, I think if we can win, it'd be nice because I think it just put us in a good position to to end the season really strongly and sort of take a lot of confidence into next season. Um, I don't think we're at any risk of obviously getting dragged into the relegation battle. Um, you know, what the games we've got left at home that are, are winnable should be enough. But it's more now just for the, um, you know, to try and avoid having a, a winless away record, I guess, for the season. Um, it'd just be really nice to, to get a win away from home and, you know, carry that sort of confidence into the rest of the season and just see how strong we can finish. Yeah, I mean, we, we've played Sunderland a few times already this season and I don't think we've conceded, have we, in three games. Uh, drew up at their place in the Cup, then beat them in the replay, beat them comfortably in the league. Um, as well, Andre Graham shows looking forward to this game. He's got a very good record against Sunderland this season. Um, on the flip side, though, Kev, Sunderland battling for points. They'll see Burnley, the worst team in the league, away from home coming up. They'll be desperate to win this one, so... We can't take anything for granted, especially considering how difficult we've been finding it away from home. Absolutely, yeah. And you look at our away results, particularly in the last, since we had a slight upturn, and throughout, we seem to have done better um, against in, in some of the games when we've not been expected to do as well. Obviously, we it was a disappointing, but we failed to capitalise on the on the advantage, but at City, we you know we it was a decent performance. We got our only our first point, our only point for much of the season at Old Trafford. We had a, a very good performance for in in some parts against Liverpool. Um, so, I mean, on the flip side, we've just been diabolic against some of the some of the worst teams. So, 
you wonder if, if that plays a part. Obviously, we're going to go into this game with more pressure on us um, than we would have done against um, against Liverpool. Jamie, you said if we don't win this game, you know, it's just which is a game we've got to win. Um, I'm, I'm, however much Sean Dyche will try, will be telling them otherwise. That's also probably what the, that'll be in the back of the players' minds, thinking this is probably the best the best opportunity we'll have to win. Um, away from home all season, they'll be going into this into, into this match knowing that. So, all these different attributes, I think, all these different elements add a different, add a bit more complexity and a bit more difficulty to, to the match from our from our part. Um, hopefully, that that pressure and that away from will hopefully might have been alleviated a little bit by the, like I say, we've got a very good record against Sunderland um, this season. So, hopefully, that can. Give us that bit more of um, belief, bit more confidence, um, and uh, hopefully we can get at least a point. I, I, I've given up uh, hoping for a win. Um, I'm, I'm just going and hoping for a point now. We're getting that desperate. <laughs> Hope we can get a point at, at someone. Oh, blimey! <laughs> we have we have been getting closer though. Nasty. We got a draw at, at Hull. We. Probably should have won at Swansea if we hadn't defended so appallingly. Um, and, and Sunderland are the worst team in the league, so we, we've got to be targeting a win. I'd be really disappointed if we go up there, set up for a draw. Yeah, I will as well. I'd be so frustrated if he does that, just because Sunderland are the worst side in the division at the moment. They are rooted to the bottom. They don't look like they can buy a win from anywhere. And they look to the entire world that they're just preparing for life in the Championship. And if we go up there and play anywhere near how well we've played against that was we did against the likes of City, Spurs, Liverpool, United, then we, we will win, you know, it, it, but if we go up there and play like we tried to play against West Ham or, you know, some of the, 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 the weaker sides or in the earliest parts of the seasons against like Leicester and Bournemouth when we got really turned over, then we're going to gift Sunderland a really important three points. And whilst it won't affect it won't allow them to get that much closer to us because they are obviously, I think they're only on 19 points, aren't they? All it takes is for Sunderland to, to beat us and some of the other teams down at the bottom to pick up some, you know, really important wins. And we can suddenly see this seven point gap potentially reduced down to four. And whilst I'm still relatively confident that we've done enough to stay up this season, that suddenly becomes a lot more uncomfortable than it should be. Um, and if we are, you know, Dash keeps telling us that we're not looking over our shoulders, we're not concerned about relegation, we're looking up the table to see how high up we can finish. So if he goes away to Sunderland and sets up for a nil-nil draw and plays very negative, very nervous football, then I'm sorry, I just don't buy the lip talk that he's giving for the rest of, of the season about how positive they're playing and how they want to finish as high as they can because his decisions and his actions won't be backing up what he's talking about. Um, so I think I read a really interesting article. I've, I've circulated it on, my, on, on my Twitter today and I think quite a few people on the Twitter crowd's hashtag have posted this, so do have a look on there. But the Mirror wrote an article yesterday um, about basically saying that to them, Burnley's away form this season is utterly bizarre and you really should not pay any attention to the hard facts on paper um, because that would suggest that Burnley have been incredibly poor away from home, really bad travel sickness and just unable to to string two passes together. And that, that article's full of praise for Burnley in saying that, they've, that we've really gone ahead um, in each game and tried to compete and been positive and, and really gone for... Um, 
some positive results. Now, I'm not entirely sure I agree with everything in the article, but it is quite nice, actually, to see one of the, the national newspapers just writing quite an... Well, I guess they're putting quite a positive spin on there, but sticking up for the little guys, I guess, in the division, you don't get that that much in the Premier League. And actually saying this away form that they're on isn't a true reflection of what's actually on paper and that they're doing all right. Um, so, yeah, that, that's worth a read if, if you want to have a look at that. But otherwise, I think I, I think you're right. I think I'll be absolutely amazed if we don't win away on Saturday. I think that this away game has got to come on Saturday. If it doesn't, we aren't going to win for the rest of the season, but I'm pretty confident we're going to do it. Good stuff. We'll come on to predictions um, shortly, but a couple of other things to wrap up. Before the end of the podcast, um, should have probably done this with the Liverpool stuff earlier, but I was so desperate to not talk about Burnley losing. Um, Pete sends us a couple of stats, and Natalie's checked these, I think, while we were waiting at the start of the podcast. Um, Pete says there's 28 league games plus the Lincoln Cup match. We've conceded 11 goals in um, added time at the end of the first half or after the 89th minute. Um, I think we counted and got 10, so 10 or 11 goals. It's obviously a big proportion of the goals that we're conceding, James. I remember when Eddie Howe was manager, he used to get absolutely battered for, for us conceding goals at the end of the half, but it's been a similar story this season. Is it concentration? Is it fitness? Is it a bit of bad luck? The, the goal against Liverpool just seems to be really unlucky, though. It just bounces up and takes a deflection, then hits Ben Mee in the knackers and falls perfect for their players. But there has to be. It's it's obviously a trend. So it's it's the common factor results. What are we doing wrong that this keeps happening? Yeah, it's an interesting one because I think we just sort of sit back and invite pressure late in late in the half, um, and it's not something we do at the, during the rest of the game. So it's it's curious, and I wonder why the players have that sort of mentality. But also, I, I don't know if anyone else has mentioned this yet about. Liverpool's first goal but am I the only person who heard a whistle as the ball landed in the box I did check that actually after you tweeted it uh, Birdie and it, it isn't it's it's a whistle from the crowd it's not it's nothing there's no conspiracy there well, I'm sorry. very glad I didn't tweet it then <laughs> yeah um, I saw it on, on the thread I did check it for you because I was going to stop you from doing yeah. it just in it, case, was, it was definitely in the allocated time so there's no Wishful reason for thinking. The yeah no, that's, what, that's not what I was thinking I wasn't yeah. thinking the end of the half I was thinking Maybe the place. You know when you stopped. see it live, yeah. it looks like it could bounce off, could have bounced off anything. But um, I think it's hard to blame Ben Me for that one. He, he was pretty unlucky, but just the fact that we um, sat back in a way that allowed them to get the ball into the box in the first place, and I think that's been a common theme with quite a lot of these goals as well. You know, they are sort of balls pumped into the box, uh, and then a scrappy goal. It's very. It's, I'm trying to think if there's been one where it's been like a fantastic. Solo piece of skill or something. Yeah. But... We were going through it earlier and the, the Snodgrass free kick for Hull is probably the only one where it's like, yeah, fair enough. But even then, it's a pretty soft, needless free kick to give away. Yeah, so I don't know what it is. We just seem to sit back and try and keep what we've got coming into the end of halves. And, uh, you know, it's really not worked for us. We need to just continue playing the, the same way we played the rest of the game. Yeah, you'd think we'd learn from it, though. It's happened so many times. You'd think. It got towards the last couple of minutes and we were like, get the ball up the other end yeah. <laughs> instead of just wait for I them to score I thought we turned a corner actually with this and um, I think one of the games we played at home and, and forgive me, I can't remember which one it was, but we were, I think it might be Leicester actually, we were really, really clinical and we were really um, 
obviously trying to, to see out the game in the, in the dying half of the first half and at the end as well. And it was when we talked on the podcast about Ashley Barnes just like getting fouls and making sure he went down just to break up play and just to put a little bit of calm onto the onto the game and stop them getting, getting momentum. Um, it, it's just, I think for the first time this week though, I've seen one of the interviews after the game where somebody's directly criticised their lack of concentration in the dying seconds. And I think it was, I think it was Heaton who said, you know, we'd played such a good half and we're so disappointed that we just switched off for a second and we've got to learn to stop doing that. And it's the first time that any player or managers come out and acknowledge that they've got a concentration problem in the dying seconds of a half. Yeah, I mean... It's it's the same as everything else. It's like it's all very well like knowing it's a problem, but stop doing it. <laughs> it's, it's exasperating. <laughs> and the last thing that I wanted to bring up, Kev, um, international break after this game, so there's not going to be a, a podcast next week. I don't think England squad announcement. There's some speculation that Andre Gray might be a surprise pick. Um, a lot of England forwards are injured, out of form. At the moment, do you expect just two um, Burnley boys in the squad? Heaton and Keane, I think we assume, are going to be in there. Great, would be a bit of a wild card, wouldn't he, even though there's, there's not many alternatives. For not, and I think if Gray got in, it probably would be because there's not uh, a lot of alternatives. I think he's done, he's done a decent job this season, but there's also been quite a few, um, quite a, a lot about his game that hasn't been as impressive and obviously he needs to he's not really hammering on the door of the selection is he I mean no the goals at Swansea last week were his first goals in six or seven I think yeah uh, I think you know I've talked a little bit about I think some of that is uh, restrictions um, on because of the the team and the system it's partly a lack of service course yeah Um, but yeah it's not it's not done anything we'd say Andre Gray needs to be in the the England squad that said yeah there's not many options around him um I, i'd be surprised if he's in purely because i think gareth southgate is just quite a uh, cautious uh safe manager i don't think he's he's one to to take that a, a big a big risk i think he'd, he'd much rather take a, a safer player a safer bet somebody who's been there and done it before than, than take a risk on someone who knew um if they're not really uh, banging on the door um so for me, it probably will be the two, um, but it'd be a surprise if Andrew Gray's in there, but you could certainly see some um, some logic behind why he might be. Yeah, I think you can make a case for it. I think um, before the weekend, I'm not sure if, if the stat changed with the games, I don't think so. There's only three three English strikers scored more in the league this season, I think. One of them's Jermaine Defoe, who's in international exile, really, hasn't been picked for a long time. Um, and you look at the, the strikers who've been in the squads in the last couple of years, Rooney's obviously on his way out and injured at the moment. Sturridge, constantly injured, not getting in the Liverpool team. Jamie Vardy's having a pretty awful season at Leicester. And Danny Welbeck's only just back to to fitness. So um, it'll be interesting to see where he goes because I think Harry Kane's going to be out as well. So um, it would be a big shock, James, but... I am looking forward to seeing who Southgate picks instead because it might be a case of going back to the likes of Crouch and Carroll. Yeah, I can't really see Crouch, but I know obviously Defoe's been mentioned. He's been fantastic for Sunderland. 
you know, the last couple of seasons. But you've, I think you've got to look to the future a little bit, haven't you? And even if he is scoring goals now, it doesn't achieve anything for your next major tournament. Um, so, I don't know, it's, it's tough. Obviously, you can say Gray's maybe not scored enough goals to justify the call-up. Um, but again, it comes back to has he had the service to score them? And I'd say probably not. Um, but maybe what you you know what people have seen of him uh, shows that he could score more for England. Yeah, it was interesting this week actually. Natalie did a big interview with Sky who was talking about dreaming of playing for England, and obviously the timing just before the international break stirred stirred all this up. But with his yeah. contract situation as well, like Michael Keane, he's only got a year left at the end of this season, so. I think Gray may be a bit in the balance at the minute, whether we're going to be able to persuade him to stay or whether he thinks he has to move on and try and push on. Yeah, I mean, it's quite a nice problem to have, isn't it? We've not really ever had a yeah, squad I mean, before. When your players are getting um, speculated about being yeah. in England squads and talking it's teams, fantastic. making yeah. bids, it obviously means they're doing something right. Yeah, of course, and especially with the kind of money that's been battered around for Michael Keane. I think the latest... Um, quote was that Everton were looking at preparing a £28 million bid for him which is insane um, and that's obviously it's insane but it's still like half of what he's worth yeah of course <laughs> <laughs> but it is it, it is still like we've not had players of that calibre before you know we, we've had we've had strikers who we've been excited about being able to sell for maybe £6 million you know £28 million is a huge amount and, and if, if Andre Gray's career takes off then um, you know he can expect to be going for big money I I think for me, um, I think maybe Andre Gray's lifestyle choices uh, might find us struggling a little bit. I mean, he's, his life seems to very much heavily revolve around the South at the moment. His personal circumstances dictate that he spends a lot of time in London. Um, if a club like Spurs, who I believe are interested in, in looking at him, if a London club come in for him and pay him a lot of money and he's got the opportunity for um, really push on for the England squad, I think we've got absolutely zero chance of keeping hold of him. Um, but that's that's reality of life at, at Burnley it is getting better I think the fact that we've managed to keep hold of Tom Heaton as long as we have is a credit to what we're building at Burnley and the fact that that players seem to really like it here Joey Barton came here and came back um, and he doesn't suffer fools lightly and he you know he comes with the ego and the circus that surrounds him and we've managed to keep hold of players like like that and, and actually to be honest last season as well Keane could have gone last season you know I think Leicester and Everton last season was showing interest in him and he came out straight away and said you know no I'm not I still feel like I've got something to learn and I'm staying where I am for the time being so it's frustrating it's always frustrating when you lose your best players but you can't hold your players back and to see um, to see Michael Keane and, and Heaton or even um, Andre to go away and become top, top players in a top Premier League side and play for the country, would we should be proud about that rather than being upset about um, the loss to our side because financially we're in a really great place. We've got a manager and some scouts who are attracting good players. We've got a good team ethos behind us and, and we wish them players well because we will get people in who who will replace them. Yeah, absolutely. The club has survived losing top players before, I'm sure they will do. Um, again, lastly on this, James, outside, outside, outside chances of a call-up. What about Michael Catley and Marvin Sodell? Oh, thanks for the <laughs> You thought I wasn't oh, going to give you a link. Here comes Catley <laughs> Corner. Oh, God. <laughs> he was going to do it anyway. You might as well team up. <laughs> bad, bad week for Catley Corner. He, he's back from injury, but unfortunately couldn't make it onto the pitch. I think other injuries sort of 
hampered his opportunity to get a half an hour run out at the end of the game. You can't even uh, get a game for Burton now. Oh dear. <clears throat> well, he was injured, wasn't he? And um, they might as well just in- retire. <laughs> they had two injuries. They had two injuries in the first half. So if the manager was intending to ease him back into action, then uh, obviously that was denied. Um, and Marvin's mention, terrible news for Marvin. Injured on the nineteenth minute. Oh dear. Not a lot of luck for our former gory boys um, with injuries. <laughs> Is this staying as a Marv. thing? Bring back uh, Marv when we sell grey in the summer. Seriously, <laughs> is this a thing? Are we doing this now? As is long as, as, long as uh, Kites and Marvin are leading Burton to safety at the expense of Blackburn, this is a thing. Okay. Okay, I'll give you that one. <laughs> Maybe not wow, did, did not expect that. <laughs> I think that's the first time Natalie's backed down on anything in her life ever. Against Bird, for sure. <laughs> but he made a very good argument and I had no response, so okay. We should, yeah, we should probably wrap the podcast up there, but we do have to do predictions, unfortunately. Kevin? Predictions, predictions, it's the prediction league. I'm back. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that may have been the creepiest link that you've ever done. <laughs> that you've heard of bad story. losers, right? There are such a thing as bad winners. <laughs> Kevin Robinson is a bad winner. <laughs> I, I'm a very good winner. I'm, I'm good <laughs> at predicting. I'm good at predicting results again. After a but hang on um, a minute. It was your birthday, and we were going to win at Liverpool. I don't understand. You've well, been saying that for weeks. Well, well, I've, actually, before I get on to that, I've, I'm very disappointed in our listeners because I did not get a single card or a present <laughs> or a gift card. Or I, I was expecting, you know, hordes of email, you know, like... I think our email vouchers. server broke under the weight of, <laughs> of e-cards. So, uh, we, should, you... we should have a competition, Kevin, because it's actually my birthday in two weeks oh as well. So we'll see how many of our listeners send mine's me birthday wishes. Mine's, mine's next month, actually. So if you want to send me some um, <laughs> online gift vouchers... Um, <laughs> podcast.nonyanever.net you've still got time I will count it I will not look uh, badly on you for being late um, but obviously I think um, the Burnley team got very very confused <laughs> I uh, I asked them to um, I, I wanted them to win for me on my birthday what they obviously thought is they wanted to give me a result in the predictions right, league for my birthday. Right. so that's obviously what happened because I've just broken a run of Five five games without of um, zilch, nothing for five, um, and I'm back. So, um, <laughs> and uh, sadly, none of you, none of you guys got anything at all. No, um, I, I I got the correct result. I said we'd get beat two one. James said we'd win two one. Natalie also said we'd win two one, and, and Jamie went in the middle for one all draw. Um, so. That means I've now, for the first time in weeks and months, extended my lead at the top of the table. That catchphrase is not catching on. <laughs> um, I've, I've oh, now got... God. Well, you, it's you nearly over, sign, Natalie. It's nearly over. So painful. You might sign, Natalie, because I've got four times as many points as you've got. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I'm really hating this feature so much. What are the four <laughs> What are the four <laughs> No, it's it's all right. We, we had while I was away, we had a, a unanimous decision, and all of our listeners have agreed that the forfeits isn't happening anymore. I don't so it's fine. That. It's just bragging rights. <laughs> so, so you can 
So, listeners, um, you can look at the table. If you want to see just how good I am, you can look at the table in the show notes. Um, and I look so forward crazy. to extending it even more next week. I just, even if it's Bird that wins, I'd rather Birdie wins than Kevin. Like Somebody has to take over from Kevin now. This is getting impossible. Well, he's only seven points behind. More, in, more importantly is that I was top of the, the fantasy football league you were. over the weekend. I'm not now, but I was at one time. <laughs> Kevin, how far, is, how far behind am I in terms of not becoming last? How far is um, third place? Jamie's got seven points and you've got four. So Yeah, but all not... I have to do is like make Natalie go first and predict the same as her <laughs> for the rest of the season. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> also... I've just remembered. I've just remembered more exciting predictions league news. I've now colour coded the, the spreadsheet. So there you go. This is the most exciting thing that has ever happened to Kevin. Right, that he's been able to do a spreadsheet, yeah. colour code it, and he's actually oh. winning. He's beside I'm so happy. himself. I'm so happy. Right, predictions for this week. <laughs> Kevin as the leader. You can go first. Someone v Burnley at the Stadium Light on Saturday. One one. 1 1. Shut mm, up. Interesting. You can't say that, Kevin, because your predictions come true and we have to win. <laughs> <laughs> it's not on. Not it's sure not on that. Uh, James? Um, we're going to get our first away win style. We're going to win 3 0. 3 0? That is really bold. Um, <laughs> I want to say 2 0 to Burnley. Natalie? I was going for the same thing. I share Baldy. Baldy, what is going on? <laughs> what? I share. Sorry, Birdie. I was just. I got excited. <laughs> Did you just call him Baldy? Yes, by accident. I'm really sorry, Birdie. Nice. I got really excited. I meant to say I got really excited about Birdie's bold prediction. <laughs> I'm calling Baldy Birdie. I'm so sorry. Okay, a little bit of composure, please. I share Birdie's bold prediction, and I'm also I'm also going to predict a three nil win to Burnley. Brilliant. Well, that's guaranteed. It's not going to be three nil. At least um, I think we should probably wrap it up there because I think everyone's completely hysterical. Um, so that's it for this week's podcast thank yous as always go to rick who provides our artwork which you can see on the website and on social media etc um i'm not sure who's editing this week thanks adam if b edits thanks kevin if kevin edits you can always email us with questions comments feedback birthday cards etc email address podcast at no dot net you can also tweet us at no net as i said earlier no podcast next week because no um, no, that's the following week. We will do a podcast next week because it'll be the Sunderland game. Ignore that. Adam, you can edit that bit out. But that's it for this week's podcast. This has been so smooth. What a good ending to the show. <laughs> Thanks to Natalie, Kevin and James for joining me. I've been Jamie Smith. Goodbye. By the way, not just, not just cards, also presents. Also presents. Also presents. The end. Birdie, I'm Fantastic. so sorry. <laughs> Baldy. Lol. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I've I just got my words with so that's what I was trying to say. I'm, You've been I'm totally anything. silent since. I'm, I'm, I'm anything. It's like not bald at all. You've got so much hair. I'm anything but bald, yeah. Ashley's been complaining that I'm growing my hair. And she's like, Are you actually really growing your hair? I'm like, Yeah. She's like, You're not just lying to me. I'm like, No, I'm actually growing my hair. Oh, she's like, dear. But, but why?
Yeah, so I'm anything but bald. So you can do a Getting call over to by the day. cover your baldness. Oh, God. Less bald by the day. <laughs> Indeed. Tweet to the beat. Tweet to the beat. Tweet to the beat. Created. Oh, I'm just <laughs> Never just ever thought I'd feature. have a beatboxing on the non and ever podcast. 150 oh, odd episodes in, and we're still hitting new lows. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.